Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soyla Perez. And we are two Latinx friends. With wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we're bringing you an episode of artists that we really think just were gone too soon. And we are starting with like the, the classic Latinx artists that you know, we love and just left us so, so, so yeah. soon, way before, like, what could have been the peak of her career, Selena. Yeah. You brought this, didn't you, yeah. Perez? Yeah, so I picked the song. This is Como La Flor, which is from 1992. <laughs> We've already brought three of her songs to different episodes. We brought Amor Prohibido, we brought Tu Solo Tu, and we brought El Chico del Apartamento 512. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've kind of covered a lot of her canon, but it makes sense because like you said, Vero, I think she's probably the most iconic, uh, especially our generation, um, like right, Latinx right. artist who, I mean, tragically she died like before her career was really even starting in some ways. And she was murdered mm-hmm. by, you know, famously by the um, head of her fan club such a crazy story still yes yes so, so crazy yeah so there are so many incredible selena songs and i was just i always want to say selena but i have to recognize that she preferred selena so i know i know i have always to pronounce it. i know i always to, want to say selena but it's wrong it's right just wrong <laughs> that's just how yeah it's like you get to decide how your name is pronounced turns out correct and um, <laughs> if you want to be selena then you are selena you know and i think it, i mean it reflects her very like border life right like very american yeah, and yeah. very mexican and the complicated living between two languages and whatnot um but this is just i just picked como la flor because it's one of her hits that i really like um mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I mean i think it's one of her best known songs as well absolutely i also yeah. um i just love i i, I love this song I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I know. I know. And, you know, we. I only came to know her music as an adult, really. In some ways, um, after Orlando happened, the the song El Chico del Apartamento Cinco Los, it was like a big part of that time for me after Pulse because mm. people might remember if they've been listening to this podcast a long time. I was at um, Latinx Pride in D.C. like two or three nights before the Pulse massacre happened. Yeah. And so I f- it felt really like personal in some ways that that had just happened and so I and I had remembered having like a really sort of elated joyful time at that party because there's so few parties that are both queer and Latinx in DC and and I remembered this particular song playing during that um El Chico del Apartamento Cinco Lose so I brought it Mm -hmm. to like our Orlando episode and I brought it to some of the Orlando like pulse coverage we did like on NPR and whatever so in that, I think I, I started to build more of a relationship with her personally through that experience and, and through her music. And and then obviously for this podcast, you know, I've learned a lot about her and her life. And then I finally watched the Selena movie just last year, which was just oh. so, late, so late on that. <laughs> yeah, J-Lo's big breakout moment. I know. I know people were so mad that they picked J-Lo. 
I know that they picked a Puerto Rican actress instead of a Mexican actress. I feel right. like I'm not that mad at that, but I, whatever. I, mean, I just think that they're so. Um, J Lo, I mean J Lo, also like famously got picked to be to do a Celia Cruz tribute at one of the big was it the Latin Grammys or some big thing a few years ago, and people were really mad about that, which is fair. Well, on a that's of a little bit. I feel like more fair. She like had to sing Celia Cruz, which like. Girl is not you can't ready. Sing. Girl has no, never been ready. She but there's can't also sing. like she's a dancer, right? Right. <laughs> and there's like a race thing, race component there too of like of picking course. a light a skinned Puerto Rican to depict like a black, a dark skinned right. black Cuban woman. But um, I want to give a shout out to Favi Fav. I think maybe we mentioned this before, but he's like super into Selena and has even talked about having a whole podcast just about Selena. Yeah, so maybe we need to invite Favi over to, to talk to about have Selena, like a Selena yeah. episode. Because, I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit more in this episode, too. But I, I, my understanding from listening to him talk is that there are, you know, there are aspects of her life and her personality that go in contrast with sort of the icon status that she's been given, you know? Like, she's right. a human, too. Of and course. She's, like, not perfect, as none of us are. Um, so, but I don't know the details of that. I just know from listening to him talk a little bit about, like, the different versions of her life story and the drama about the family and the people who've wanted mm-hmm. to depict her. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie depicts her basically in the same way that the public Yeah, it's like una her, santa, you know? Like santa. Sometimes a, what happens victim, with artists right? is yeah. that, like, you die. And, like, especially Selena died so tragically and, like, as a, a result of, like, the violence of somebody who was unhinged. Um, and that like, you know, elevates you to a level of like, you know, she's like a Santa, she's an icon, right? Like anything that was like about her as a human is over. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I only came to know Selena after she died because I moved to the United States in 1995. She was, I don't know if she was famous beyond United States and Mexico, but in Venezuela, we did not know about Selena. Yeah. But when I moved to the United States, it was um, she was murdered like shortly, I think, after or before. When was she murdered? I think it was 94. Yeah. So then right before. So then like on Univision, it was like I just remember on Univision, like the trials, right? Like the 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 trials and like the like the news story on Univision. And I was like, who's this person? Right. Like, right. So I got to, I only knew who she was after, after she died through the sort of like media salaciousness of her death, which is unfortunate. And then like the movie really like put some context into who she was for me because I didn't know. So she died in 95. I just want to, for the record and clear that yeah. she died in 95. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, my, my upbringing was very Caribbean centric and in some ways I think there's a lot of, um, for Cubans, there's a lot of like anti-immigrant sentiment, like it, sort of, um, nativist and like racist stuff where it's like, we're not Mexican mm. being mm-hmm. in the U S because Mexicans were like the largest immigrant yeah. group. And so I feel like my father, for example, like never listens to Mexican music. And I think there's, there's some sort of feeling of like, we're Cuban, like we're a different class, bullshit stuff like that. So uh, yeah, That's it's there problem. though. It's, it's too really real. Yeah. It's really problematic. It's too um, real. And a lot of it's about race and class. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so that I was not exposed to, and then, yeah, we weren't, we weren't watching Univision, you know, so yeah, yeah. I wasn't watching it. Yeah. Yeah, well, this song is great, and Selena, as far as I know, is great. I would love to, like, dig in a little bit more. I love this idea of doing this episode with Fabi. I hope that we yeah. can... Um, Let's make that happen. We can 
make it happen at I some think point. He would be I into think, it. Yeah. yeah, I think he's gonna spend a little bit more time in New York in the next yeah. few months. So hopefully we can yeah. um let's make it happen. We can make it make it all happen. Yeah. And if you didn't listen to our last um, full-length episode about novella themes, we dropped some knowledge that other folks didn't know, which is that Selena was on um, this famous Mexican novella. She made a guest appearance on Dos Mujeres Un Camino. <laughs> right. She was on episode three <laughs> of Dos Mujeres Un Camino. People, a bunch of listeners who responded on social media were like, oh my God, <laughs> I did not know that. I think there was like a great meme that happened on Instagram stories that we reposted, I think. Oh um, my God, yeah. like that feeling when you realize that. So anyway, you're welcome if you didn't know that. And you should check out our novella themes episode because it's a good one. Yeah, because there's some really solid theme songs to novelas out there, it turns mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your first one for this episode? So my next person is, I think, somebody who is also an icon, um, Mm -hmm. but maybe more of a regional icon. He's definitely an icon here in New York and to Boricuas. Uh, This is Big Pun, and the song is You Came Up featuring Nori. Where my horns at? Where my horns? That's right. You came up. What what? Making it happen. We're rapping on the corner to possibly go on platinum. But when we roll, I used to ready to ride. You want me ready to ride and I'm ready to die. But you came up. What what? Making it happen. We're rapping on the corner to possibly go on platinum. But when we roll, I used to ready to ride. My word is born long as I'm alive. I'ma put it on. Could've gone to J shit. Thug nigga till I'm gone. Way to Bronx, I'm flipping. Five boroughs thoroughly rapping. Let's unite the city and step to the world as a weapon. Cause everybody's checking for puns, second to none. Cause Latin's going platinum was destined to come. The inevitable, heavily better than whatever you do. We eligible to yes, it's incredibly credible for the revenue. We getting you open with lyrical dope in these breath that I'm potent's like an injectional dose and it never quits. Take it from to yes, it's top terrorist. Rapper slash Jack of bombing tracks ever since I was young I wasn't always big blind, it wasn't always this fine Hey yo, I rose from the slums, I had to pay my due Lay a few, but I ain't saying who Staying true to the game, no names playing the cool Just me and the crew so I chose this song um, because I think it shows off Big Pun's chops as an MC really well. Yeah. And I mean, my man was a fire MC. I think that uh, when I think about Big Pun, he's just so skilled as a rapper. I think, yeah. um, you know, that's part of what's so tragic about him having died so young is I think that, you know, he had this this uh, song is off of Capital Punishment which was his debut album and the first album by a solo Latino rapper to go platinum Um, and it was the only album that came out while he was alive he had an album that came out a little bit after um, he died that he'd been working on Um, and then like I think there was like a compilation album afterwards posthumously but um, but yeah so he um, he was always super proud to be Boricua always super proud of being from the Bronx 
um, you know, was like in like Terror Squad, which is a group of mostly Latinx um, MCs. And I, I just, I think this song is great. I think Big Pun holds a really special uh, place, I think, in New York's hip hop history. Yeah. And I think it is, um, you know, we've, we're trying to like work out a guest to talk about this a little bit more because we haven't addressed it as much as I think it deserves is the place of, um, of Boricuas in the, in hip hop. Right. Right. It's, um, you know, it's, it is very much a black American genre, but it is, I would say, I would argue like almost as much Oriqua genre. You know, it was born in the Bronx in a place of, of all of those things together. And I think it's so cool to see Big Pun to you know, like that Big Pun was like, you know, making it and and like really um, out there in in hip hop I thought right. uh, you know and he's he's just amazing I, I really like his music yeah. um, and this song is featuring Nori who might have still been going by Noriega at the time I believe he changed he like switched it up and then he was like Nori switched up to like reggaeton too because he's also Latinx but um, Noriega is the name of a a Latin American political leader, right? Dictator. Mark, dictator. <laughs> yeah. Is that why he changed his yes. name? <laughs> um, I don't know why he changed. I think that like he just like thought that like Noriega was a boss, you know, and then like he changed mm. his name to Nori. I don't know why. I don't feel like to distance himself from. I don't know as much about Nori, so I don't yeah. know that like yeah. what was behind his name change. Like maybe it's to distance himself from the political legacy of that right. dude, but. But I'm not totally sure. Yeah. Do, do you know what is what's his background? Noriega. Uh, I think he's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican also. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Big Pun died um, in 2000. I think he was 28. He was really, really young. He died of a heart attack. Um, so his career was cut short, just mad early. You know. Um, yeah. And he, you know, like he'd struggled a lot with his weight when he died. He was like 700 pounds, which was like the most he'd ever weighed. And, um, and you know, like he was like big pun was big, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that it like caused a lot of, a lot of issues with, with like his health. Um, right. Well, it's and, hard to say, right? I mean. There are yeah, yeah. in weight and health, but they're not. People have heart attacks. It is. Are, it is hard to say. Fan, it is hard to so. say. I mean, the way, definitely the way that people talk about it is as related, but like there's also a lot of like fat phobia and shit that like yeah. is, you know, might be right. in on that, right? Right. Um, right. Health, yeah. you know, I'm a proponent of health at every size. Yeah. So. Me too. Yeah. And there's also like a lot of stress. I mean, just think about, you know, I think some of these people were murdered, right? Selena was murdered, but other folks died of things like that. There's more health related causes. Another person we're going to talk about later. And, you know, it's like, what does it mean to be this kind of figure in the world, you know? And what is the, well, what comes and that also like, what does it mean to like have grown up like in a really hard time in a really hard place, like going through periods of homelessness, like all of that shit adds stress to you that like yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. that are impacts on people's health racism Mm -hmm. all that shit impacts people's health but Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah but it's really it was really sad you know he was um he had a hit with like with uh j-lo and fat joe and he was going to perform it on saturday night live and then he was like actually couldn't do it because he was feeling sick and then two days later it was when he died of a heart attack mm. um so it i think it was a huge hit to to the scene at the time um in 2000 and um and you know i feel like big pun is forever gonna be i think a hip-hop icon especially like a latino hip-hop hip-hop um mm-hmm. icon and yeah. one thing that i think is important to mention that I found out when I was researching, um, you know, some of like Pun's legacy for this episode is that he has a kid, right? He like, he had a wife that he like when they were teenagers or very young, like had kids together and got married. And uh, one of the kids now um, is a rapper. One of his kids is a rapper who goes by Chris Rivers and he released this intense track and video in 2017 uh, about growing up in an abusive home and basically spilled that his dad was super violent, like, to him and to his mother. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's important to complicate our icons and to recognize that just because somebody has a lot of talent doesn't mean that they weren't harmful or abusive people, which is sort of um, timely in yeah. light of you know, further revelations about Juno Diaz's behavior. We had this um, conversation, uh, I think, uh, during a Manito, maybe? Yeah, it was during a Manito. Um, I don't know, yeah. a couple weeks ago when his Manito. New Yorker article came out um, about, you know, just, like, what that meant and about, like, the role of trauma in in causing further harm. And, um, and I think things have been, like, super complicated by more recent revelations or not, yeah. you know, like, or like, <laughs> it's still like, more you know, Oh same. yeah. Like this is, this is what we knew about you already. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I mean, Vettis and I had a super yeah. intense conversation about it already. <laughs> we, did. we did. We just spent an hour <laughs> on the phone when we were supposed to be recording this talking about it, which I really appreciate Veto for being able to have those conversations and to be able to kind of like, work out how we feel about these things in relationship with each other. And, and we often, I think, have different opinions, but can kind of hear each other and go back and forth. And so we're not going to recreate that here. Also, because A, this is not a politics podcast and B, like we're still figuring out or I'm still figuring it out. And so it's not always appropriate to have those conversations publicly, you know, like sometimes you have to do some of that stuff in private in order to work through what you think about it. But I mean, I think what you're saying is true that it's really complicated and that, um, there's a lot of these cycles of harm by people who've been harmed, who continue to do harm and what it looks like to recover, to change your behavior, to be accountable, to, um, to use your power and responsibility ethically is also still really complicated. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel super betrayed by it. Maybe like, and maybe it's, I should have known better. You know, I feel like part of my betrayal is like feeling stupid (laughs) because I feel like it's just like, I maybe should have known that this is what you were doing based on the things that you were writing about in your book and like knowing that those characters were you. Um, But I feel, I felt like maybe like something else was happening where like, here's a model of like a Latino man who like, grew up with all this shit that is doing all this whack shit that Latino men are known for doing, but like is growing and, you know, maybe he's still growing, maybe not. I, at this point I'm sort of feeling like I don't, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of that, but yeah. that's also might be like 
that I'm angry. I tweeted about it. I can link my my tweet yeah, thread so that we don't have to Twitter. spend yeah. this entire right. episode, episode talking about talking this about because, because literally Pettis and I talked about it for an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we definitely could. Um, yeah, and I was I was on a silent meditation retreat while this all came down, and so I think I'm also in a different place emotionally just in response to that um, time mm-hmm. away. And then you know I, d- I haven't read. I got I've gotten secondhand accounts of what has come through, but I wasn't surprised because yeah. when he yeah. the things he said about being like a womanizer and a mujeriego, I was like, that means that you're also sexually assaulting people. Like in my mind that that's part of those patterns and I the things I've yeah. seen in my life. And it doesn't excuse them by any yeah. means. But but so the conversation we had before, I don't feel like I know something that's that different than than I did then. Right, but, right. It doesn't seem like that new of information no, to I was you. Like, like this you is, assumed yeah, that was that, part that, of it. That was the behavior, yeah, that that's a part of it. And um Yeah. And yeah, I think I just there's a lot of nuance. I think I think all a lot of all of these things are true, you know? He is mm-hmm. he has done these things, he's probably still doing them to some degree. And he's probably also on some sort of attempt to toward healing, as flawed as it might be, you know. So Yeah. It's complicated, yeah. Joe. Complicated. Yeah. Anyway, we will relieve you of listening to our full like two hour yeah. conversation that we no. had about this beforehand. I'm, and yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be more opportunities to talk about this topics as this kind of continues to be part of our, our landscape. Well maybe I'll yeah, shout out totally. that actually I'll shout out here that I have an essay in a book that just came out. It's an anthology edited by Roxanne Gay and it's called mm-hmm. Not That. It's called Not That Bad, Dispatches from Rape Culture. And I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to um, take a look. And it's, yeah, a bunch of personal essays about rape culture. And my essay is actually really personal. Um, probably the most personal thing I've ever put out in the world. So that is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Any family members are listening, I've told them you probably don't want to read it because it's it's just really intimate details about my intimate relationships um, yeah. and about the impact of rape culture on my intimate relationships. So... So yeah, I mean, I'm proud to have to kind of been part of that book. There's a lot of really amazing voices in it. And I think the time that it's coming out is really um, poignant and purposeful given just what we were talking about. And and, and I am glad that there is a larger conversation um, being had about these issues because of this course. is part of our realities and our lives and and these figures that we look up to often. So. Totally. And yeah, and I think that in the end, a lot of people who are like our icons, like are, you know, like they're humans and they're flawed and like they lead private lives doing shit that we don't know about. And sometimes that shit's really fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um, So it's just, I think that like even this, uh, even, even the practice of having icons is just such a setup in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's like... Yeah. Nobody is that great. No, I mean, <laughs> you we're <know>? all human. <laughs> yeah, think, nobody's that I think great. On different, and I think on different levels of scale based on trauma, but also privilege and power, we do harm on each other. You know, we enact harm yeah. on each other. Yeah, I don't think anybody totally. is, is actually exempt of that. There's no perfect victim or human in the world. So how do we, how do mm-hmm. we work with that messiness, you know? It's complicated. Messy. Messy. Um, all right, y'all. Well, we're going to move on <laughs> to our next um, icon who was gone too soon. This is my pick. This is a song by Juan Gabriel, and it's called Se Me Olvido Otra Vez. Probablemente ya de mí 
te has olvidado Y mientras tanto yo te seguiré esperando No me he querido ir para ver si algún día Que tú quieras volver me encuentres todavía Por eso aún estoy en el lugar de siempre En la misma ciudad y con la misma gente Para que tú al volver no encuentres nada extraño Y sea como ayer y nunca más dejarnos Probablemente estoy pidiendo demasiado Se me olvidaba que ya habíamos terminado Que nunca volverás, que nunca me quisiste Se me olvidó Juanga. Juanga. <laughs> so, Juanga passed in September of 2016, and so we actually did a whole episode um, about his music and his life that you can go back into our archives and check out episode 12 to get that deep dive. And that was actually the moment where I learned a lot about him. Again, go, you know, see my comment about kind of racism and. Cuban separatism and not really having influence, um, exposure to like Mexican culture, particularly growing up. Um, I didn't know his music really until as an mm. adult. And then, so when he died and we did this episode, I like really took a deep dive and kind of fell in love with him for the first time in many ways, um, because of getting to know his canon and his life and the role that he played. Mm. So I decided yeah, for, yeah, go ahead. For me, Juanga was like always just sort of there, you know, he was always present. His music was always sort of like part of part of the the background. And then I really started to love him like, you know, way before he died. He I remember seeing this interview that he did mm -hmm. with the, that Univision guy who's who like asked him if he was gay and he's like mijo lo que se ve no se pregunta I was like you Juanga you're just out here living your life like it's like, you're it's like amazing. the explanation of that's like how you translate don't ask don't tell into Spanish in Spanish <laughs> culture <laughs> right like that's so many of us I think have dealt with that in our families at least I have like with my extended family after I came out there was a lot of silence you know silent yeah. acceptance well, of it and I think I just I feel like it's interesting because I think this idea of being of like outness of like compulsory yeah. outness is like sort of like a really on the one hand, I understand like, yes, like let's ask more of our people than to just tolerate us <laughs> while yeah. we're like hiding. But like also like I think that this idea of compulsory outness is just like it's actually really unhelpful right. and like nobody owes you anything. Like Kwanga doesn't owe you anything about his private life. He can come out if he wants to, but if he doesn't want to, that's his fucking call, right? Like people feel the same way about like Queen Latifah. They just like are trying to get her to come out it's just like just let her live her goddamn life jesus christ she owes you nothing right no i agree i agree and i think that this kind of acceptance is a level of, of acceptance that that i think latinos get stereotyped as being not accepting of like lgbt right people and kids because like we're really religious or all the like stereotypes about latinos and it's actually right, not true right. um and there's actually more tolerance in many ways and like latino kids are less likely to get kicked out of their houses for being gay than white kids are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all these things that kind of go against the stereotypes people have about about people of color and their ideas about you know, you know about latinos latinx folks so 
Anyway, yeah, so yeah, I totally. think there's actually something beautiful about just letting someone be who they are. You know, yeah. and he didn't pretend to be straight, right? It wasn't like he had a beard. <laughs> he, he wasn't married. Not. I mean, he was still he wearing capes. Not. He was still wearing capes and whatnot. Yeah, so, still like swirling so, his yeah. wine about everywhere. Exactly. So I picked this. Um, I picked this song because it's a ranchera, um, and we haven't we haven't brought one of his rancheras. And so, I mean, he has such a range. Like, I think he's basically contributed music from every part of the like Mexican canon, like lots of different genres in the, mm. in his musical career. I mean, there's probably some that he hasn't, but um, he has a pretty incredible range. And so this is from a 1986 Ranchetta Greatest Hits album. So it might've come out before that. Um, I wasn't sure, but um, that's where I found it. And I, you know, I love the horns and the guitar and also there's, he has such an incredible ability to communicate feelings through his voice, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Just that, like his sentimiento is really, yeah. it's really, I think, so much a part of his artistry and what I appreciate about him. And he was in his, like, 50s when he passed, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think it was also a heart attack, although one of those kind of situations where it's, like, unclear exactly what caused it, whether there were... I mean, clearly drinking was a part of his his life because he would drink really publicly on stage when he'd perform, but so unclear mm -hmm. um, what else was going on, but definitely, you know, died in the middle of a tour, like, very much still going and doing his yeah. thing in his life yeah. and his career, so. R.I.P. Wanga. I know, and it, we can, um, in the show notes, link our full dive into Huanga yep. that we did um, right after he passed, mm -hmm. um, if you want to get into his music and his life a little bit more. So my next song is by Hector Lavoe, and this is El Cantante. Soy el cantante que hoy han venido a escuchar lo mejor del repertorio. A ustedes voy a brindar y canto a la vida de risas y penas, de momentos malos y de cosas buenas. Y pagaron en la puerta, no hay tiempo para tristeza, vamos cantante comienza. So Hector Lavoe is um, a Fania legend, a New York salsa legend, um, you know, back in like the 70s and 80s when like New York salsa was lit, uh, Hector Lavoe was the dude. Um, you know, like along with like Willy Colón and a few others. Um, so, and it, it, this song I think is a really, it's a really famous one by him. One thing that I learned when researching it was that, um, so apparently Ruben Blades wrote this song and Willy Colón had Hector record it against Blades' will because wow. Ruben Blades just wanted to record it for himself. Like, he'd actually decided that he wanted to record it. Mm -hmm. um, but then, uh, but Hector Lavo did it. And since then, you know, like, the song really reached, like, a iconic status. And since then, Blades has, you know, been gracious about it, recognized that the song 
really like reached a new level that you know he's like you know I could have never gotten it there it's because right. it's a classic right, right. and um, he this song um, there's a movie of the same name that's a it's a biopic about Hector Lavo and uh, where Mark Anthony uh, the, the singer plays mm. um, Hector Lavo and, and J Lo is his wife you should see wow. it you should watch it it's it's i mean it's hard to watch it's like he had like a a lot of addiction a lot of right. mental health stuff you know like it's not like a it's not a fluff piece you know right, right. was it was it when they were married that they recorded that they performed i they think so yeah. i think they were married still well and it's interesting because i what i know of mark anthony is he also really struggles with addiction yeah, I co- feel like cocaine. maybe Mark Anthony really like sees himself in that. I mean, um, Hector Lavo uh, struggled with like cocaine, with heroin. I think heroin was a really um, big part of also like why he died. He died of it at age 46 mm-hmm. um, from complications of AIDS, which you know was of about like the sharing needles, needles. right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's like one of the dangers of you know, intravenous drug use and um, not either having the information or the resources to um, make that, like, to re- like reduce the harm on that. And I want to just take one moment to recognize that New York City is built, the Bill de Blasio, our mayor, is committing to getting safe drug use spaces for injection drug users in the city. And that is such a huge fucking victory. I worked on that campaign briefly. um, And it is, I mean, harm reduction is how I got into activism. Like the first ever activist thing that I ever did was go Mm. to like the AIDS uh, organization in my town and pack up like clean needles and works for people um, as a volunteer. And I just feel like so grateful for that you know like part of like the reason that Hector Lobo died was using um clean was using and sharing needles dirty needles and that's just super expensive right like in for Hector Lobo maybe it was like a matter of education or something else um but like when you give people the resources to like you know actually make a healthier choice like people are logical and will take it yeah, right and of course and also there's like a lot of resources attached to spaces like that, like for right. housing and, think, and employment yeah. and also like the fact that somebody cares that you stay alive, even though you are a drug user is I think such a huge deal, right? Because for most people, people see like people who use as just like trash, right? Right, And it's like, actually these are people and... Yeah. um people who are brilliant and have talent and um, are icons like Hector Lavo, right? right? And, if and, so, stay and alive. even if you're not. Yeah. yeah. And if they can and stay alive because they don't get HIV, like maybe they'll be able to to get clean if that's what they want to do at some point. You know, it's like, right. let's keep... Right. I think Portugal Or like been have a-, a motivation to stay, to like, to change anything about your life because like when you are a person who uses drugs, the way that society treats you is if you're worthless. Right. So like who right. the fuck cares if you die? I right. think and and we see it as like we see it as like individual failing willpower and not what it is which is like a really complicated 
thing that people do for a lot of different reasons, including like trauma and mental health and poverty and everything. Um, yeah, Portugal has been kind of at the forefront, I think, or one like really hopeful case of having yeah, a really severe. Absolutely. Portugal is like miles problems. and miles ahead of most places in the world in terms of like their approach to drugs. But only because that like things had just gotten so bad and so many of the people there were um, dying from drug use and drug overdose and like heroin was a huge, huge problem. And yeah, they yeah. Just, like, just like totally decriminalized it and put a ton of resources into support services and also, yeah, like safe drug use and things have changed yeah. dramatically. Yeah, it's super, so. super forward looking. It's such an inspiring model. And I mean, I think that the sad part for me about the conversation around injection drug use right now is that it's like a big deal and it's like more compassionate because there's a lot of white people that are dying from injection like, drug oh, use. From, and it's well, like... Well, because of the opioid sort of Because stuff. of the opioid crisis, right? Which is like a few pharmaceutical companies that like convinced physicians that their products weren't addictive and had them like super prescribe lots of like painkillers yeah. for people yeah. that like yeah. led to uh, injection drug use because once you get cut off, like it's impossible to find Oxycontin or if you can find it, it's way more expensive than heroin and heroin's the same thing. Well, just like points to, just points to the fact that people don't humanize the folks that are struggling with these things until they're people like them or people in their lives or people in their families. And so now that people in power who are mostly white, like are seeing the impact of this on their communities, they're like, Oh, right. And their families and like, they're like, Oh, but this is hard. And, and they're more likely to humanize like, yes, them because bitch, they're not it's been hard. racism, you know, doesn't allow them to sort of say, yeah, oh, you're just not. Yeah. But what I do have to say is that like, is that the activism behind it, a lot of these harm reduction efforts in New York City and across the country is really led by people of color. Yeah. And it's like people of color that have been advocating for this shit for decades. So, mm -hmm. you know, shout out them. This is so yep. cool. I'm surprised to see that we've actually never brought Hector Lovell. This is our first time. I know, right? Yeah, we've been I feel like that. out of the Fania guys, Willy Colón is really more my guy. So yeah. maybe that's that's part of it. Right. I mean, there's just so but, many great Fania people, too. It's you true. You know, we've brought it's a couple true. of them, but yeah. It would be uh, cool to do, like, just, like, a whole Fania episode Ooh, maybe one day. Yeah. Because it's so, such a legendary list. label. Yeah. We could, like, and call up somebody from Fania now. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely try that. Um, so we, re we realized when we were doing this episode that it's basically all Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. <laughs> all the people we brought... <laughs> And, it's, and, and that's not actually just like our bias, but I think we were talking about how part of the dynamic there is that, you know, who becomes an icon in like the Latin American diaspora in the U.S., like in the Latino, like Latinx community in the U.S. And that's, you know, Puerto Ricans and Mexicans are two of the largest Latin, Latinx immigrant groups in the U.S. So I don't think it's surprising. Not just largest, but also um, most. Longest. Yeah, history. longest with the longest history right. in this well, country, and therefore, like, <laughs> are more likely yeah. to have like positions in media, to like have like be in positions of power, to like elevate artists from their community, right? Whereas, like, you know, there's not, you know, other other communities might, you know, like Salvadorans, you know, or right. like Guatemalans, right. or like you know, like are not in the same position necessarily, right? Yeah, or I mean, like, it definitely makes know, sense with Puerto Ricans because Puerto Rico's, you know, part of the United States and has been for a very long time, and so there's right. a, a relationship there. Mexico, I don't know though; it's interesting. I mean, I think that's there's a geography thing there, and also parts of the United States 
were Mexico and the border kind of crossed the Mexican community. So in that way, there's like a history, a like long history of Mexican um, presence. Yeah, yeah, there's like the a long States, history so. of Mexican yeah. folks in the United States, like especially right. like in the Southwest and the West right. Coast and in California, you know, places like yeah. Texas, right? Like right. where like yeah. are like yeah. people like folks are super just have been really integral to the community slash yep. have been there before that was part of the United States. Right. Right. Um, so we were going to bring Richie Valens as one of the artists for this episode because he's another, um, you know, he's a Mexican American rock and roll singer from the fifties and he died. Um, you know, he's most famous for La Bamba, which we actually did bring, I think to our classics episode. Um, and we haven't done a lot with like Latino rock and roll and it's definitely something we, we want to get into at some point. But then we realized it was really like there's an imbalance. <laughs> Everyone was Mexican and Puerto Rican. And so we decided to bring instead um, La Lupe. So this is La Lupe's song Con el Diablo en el Cuerpo. <laughs> Este delirio por ti me consume, me fatiga y emborracha a la vez. Esta obsesión de querer es infierno o es gloria, no lo sé. Hoy, hoy tengo el diablo en el cuerpo. This song is from 1961, and Veto actually picked it. It was one of your favorites. What is it that you love about mm-hmm. this song? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing that I love about every Lupe song is just, like, the gusto with which she sings it. She's, like, really fucking serious about this. And just I think that so so much about Lupe that I like is about her energy and the way that she's able to bring it out in her voice I think for me there's very few artists that are able to even get close to what she does with with her voice and with like that sentimiento and like the urgency that she brings you know right it's like almost as if she knew that she didn't have a lot of time to be doing Mm -hmm. this and she just needed to get it all out you know Mm -hmm. well yeah I mean her career was intense and actually short even before her death she basically stopped retired quote-unquote like in the early 80s um, from music and also then we've talked about before how she sort of fell into poverty and destitution and really struggled and I think there's also like drug use and alcohol stuff in her history um, and then so she actually didn't die until 92 when she was 53 she died of a heart attack um, mm-hmm. so again another person with like you know a really young person to die of a heart attack and you have to wonder about all the things that affected them in their life and the challenges. And she's, you know, an afro Kuana, and she, you know, is in like the, the, she's like a peer to Celia Cruz, but had a really different career trajectory and was never as um, really famous as Celia was. And I had a conversation with my mom about this once sort of asking her about why she thought that was. And, you know, I think some of it has to do with, we've talked about like how raw and sort of sexual she was and how, you know, I mean, she was mm-hmm. often like, 
intoxicated when she was performing. And that I think came through in the intensity of her performance. Um, and so there's something about that that I think is not as palatable to the mainstream as, you know, Celia, who had a very um, kind of like family friendly image in some ways, you know? Yeah. She was like a good, a good yeah, girl. There wasn't a, yeah. There wasn't a lot of drama that we know about, at least from her life. Um, even though they both, you know, and they both kind of dealt with the same potential sort of race politics of being um, Afro um, Cuban, you know, artists in the same era. So one thing that we learned about her, that I learned about her when doing this research was that she um, became a born again Christian at the very end of her life mm-hmm. and like stopped practicing Santeria um, and even performed in 91 a concert, but it was all Christian songs. So yeah, like, imagine yeah. a very different vibe <laughs> than like the La Lupe that we know. Right, right. So in a lot of ways, it's like she was like, the Lupe that we know through this music was gone way before she died. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, like a choice that maybe she made. I mean, I think it's really hard to maintain that intensity. And there's, you know, there's other iconic artists, um, you know, in like the American context who were like really intense performers and there was a lot of drug use. And I mean, that stuff I think is just really hard to maintain, right? Because of the toll that it takes on you. And so mm-hmm. many musicians have died young. You know, I think of like Kurt Cobain and like, I mean, there's a ton, right? Elvis, like there's so many. Um, you have to ask yourself, is it like, is it the life that, that brings that on for people? Or is it like the people who are drawn to that life and who are talented often come with those challenges, you know, sort of like chicken or an egg? question yeah yeah totally kind of a bummer yeah yeah I mean this I feel like a lot of this episode is like a little bit of like oh too soon but I feel like also also part of like the you know about this is that I think it's so um it's so rare obviously for people with talent to actually have it recognized out in the world, right? Like, mm. I think that there's an idea about um, about artistic brilliance that is, um, I find it really damaging that it's like that people who are like unique, amazing artists will rise to the top, right? And like, will be, will be, um, will get their just due. But I think that there's so many people who are brilliant and that, um, that we'll never see the recognition that they deserved right. for a number of reasons, whether it be like chance or more systemic uh, things than that or a combination. So I feel like in, a, in some ways it feels so fortunate that uh, even with the fact that these folks led such short lives that we had access to some of like their artistic brilliance. Right. Um you know, so it's yeah. not, you know, I, that's, I feel like thinking about it in that way makes me a little bit less sad right? about right. it. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. So who's your last episode, uh, person for this episode? The last person that I'm bringing is Jenny Rivera and the song is Envuelvete. <laughs> Es que no te quedo 
le hablo a todos mis hermanos para que te hagan entender Tú otra vez Es mejor el peor resfriado A una piedra en el zapato Que tu voz hartándome So Jenny Rivera died tragically in a plane crash in 2012, similar to like a Richie Valens situation. I think, um, I don't know, those private jets, I think that maybe like the regulations maybe are not up to par. Are they more likely planes are more to go down? I mean, I think it sounds like it. I feel like yes. Yeah. I feel like yes. I but we don't know. have we don't have any like research this. on this yet. no I haven't done also, a lot of like, research I just feel like yeah. it feels like sketch like you know like private the pri- I don't know how much like the private uh, jet industry is as like regulated as like the public you know like public planes you know right also just might be smaller quote unquote planes public have, right like are more private industries right. but Maybe the the smaller planes are more at risk for things like weather and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I feel like there's always like scary plane crash stories about Mm -hmm. like private jets, and um, that's how you know Jenny Rivera and every single passenger in the plane that she was in died. Mm -hmm. Um, This song. So I have to make a confession. I yeah. <laughs> only like kind of know Jenny Rivera exists. And this song, I chose it because <laughs> there is a there's a video that Snoop Dogg posted on Instagram of him just getting his entire life to this song. I think I saw and that. And it just made me be like, yes, like sold. <laughs> Sold There's like Snoop Dogg like sold me on this amazing. song. He was just he like, also, didn't he have a Cardi his B head was moment like, recently was too? Like, yeah, yeah, he did have a Cardi B moment. But you know, it's always the same thing. He always like has a blunt. His head is right. wrapped. He's like, you know, like at home feeling Nothing's his changed. like home life <laughs> and yeah. like just like feeling the fucking song. And this was one that uh, that Snoop Dogg was feeling, and I was like. Yes, I'll take it. And yeah. this song is like ultimately like a fuck off song for like that ex mm-hmm. that won't go away. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's like, envuélvete and like mail yourself to hell, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because I'm not trying to hang out with you. Right, right. Um, but so I don't know. So Jenny Rivera was famous for her banda and rancheras. And, you know, like you, I didn't grow up with this sort of music, but there's so much about it that when I hear it, I'm just like, yes, like there's like the sentimiento mm. that I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I'm a sucker for some horns and some accordions. So these genres are really well suited to mm-hmm. that for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jenny Rivera died also like super young, really tragically. Mm. 2012. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is, that's life, I guess. Right. It's like, you never know. You never know what's going to happen no matter who you are. I know. But yeah. at least these folks had, like, a, you know, legacy. little stretches of good life right. and, like, an amazing legacy, you know? Right. It's true. Not their, it's, their whole lives certainly weren't easy for mm-hmm. a lot, if not most of these artists. But, right. um, but at least, like, there was, like, a point in their life where, like, 
you know, like their talent and what they're good at is recognized, which really goes a long way. Like even like without like money and shit, like if like people, if you're doing a thing that you love and people and you're good at it and people are like, yes, you're amazing at this and we're recognizing you, that really goes, I think, a long ways towards satisfaction in some sense at least so I appreciate that these folks got that even if they didn't get long fruitful lives right this is going back to the Snoop Dogg reference but do you follow Will Smith on Instagram (laughs) you know I don't but I've seen a lot of things of his go viral lately like salsa dancing with Nikki Mm -hmm. Jam or something yeah Uh, Mark Anthony Mark Anthony oh with Mark Anthony I thought he was dancing with Nikki Jam also Maybe he did both, but I definitely saw yeah. like, a Mark Anthony, Will Smith. But no, Will Smith, yeah, has had some pretty, um, he's, I mean, I think he's into Latino music and um, has had some like sweet little videos of him like singing songs in Spanish. I and, mean, we uh, know he loves Miami. Right. Bienvenidos a Miami. Anyway, I don't know. I, th- I think Will Smith feels like you're like. Your old uncle, who's like kind of like, oh my god, yes, he is such a Theo at this point. He's like, you know, I I I feel like he's like a fun Theo, a sweet fun Theo. So yeah, it's very enjoyable right now. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that's our gone too soon episode. Hopefully, some of you out there like our heavier, our heavier episodes (laughs) because sometimes (laughs) we gotta go there. You know, sometimes we gotta go there. Sometimes hard shit happens. Sometimes Mm -hmm. our icons are fucked up mm-hmm. and sometimes people live short lives and mm-hmm. you know they're all things worth exploring thank you so much for listening to Riley Manea you can find all the song information for these songs and anything that we've referenced in our show notes on RileyManea.com there's also a link in the description of the podcast on wherever you're listening to it that'll take you straight there yeah and you can follow us on the social medias we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter we're at radio menea we're very easy to find we have lots of stuff there for you every most days all right y'all we'll talk to you next friday gracias bye bye